John chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. John 1, 1 through 9. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Darkness conceals and the light reveals. And this morning, we are going to hear the good news that Jesus is the light of the world, that he entered into our darkness to reveal what sin and the flesh and the devil want to conceal. And this is what Jesus reveals, that God is good and he wants you and I to know him. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for this word. We thank you that you came into the world as the light to reveal yourself to us so that we could come to better know who you are and who we are and to better know about this world that you've called us to live in. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. At the Cochrane House, we've slowly been working through the Chronicles of Narnia over the last year or so, reading them out loud to our kids uh, before they go to bed. If you know those books well, you know that in the first book, the youngest of the Pevensey children, Lucy, wanders through into a wardrobe and then finds herself in snowy Narnia. And the first person that Lucy meets in Narnia is Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus is a fawn. And Mr. Tumnus is very glad to see Lucy. He uh, invites her into his home, and they have tea together. And Mr. Tumnus begins to tell Lucy all about some of the history, and especially the recent events that have been happening in Narnia. And what he tells Lucy is that the White Witch is at that point the ruler over Narnia, and that she has made it always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. And immediately in that moment, Lucy and every other child that's ever read the book knows that they've come face to face with a very cruel villain. For it to be always winter, but never Christmas. December would be a miserable month if it wasn't for Christmas. It's cold and it's dark. Christmas comes at the darkest time of the year and the time of the year when the days are the shortest and the nights are the longest. And we celebrate Christmas at the darkest time of the year to remember that the light has come. John 1, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it.
We've been walking through these first 18 verses of the Gospel of John during this Advent season, specifically looking at the different ways that John describes in a very unique way, unique to all of the other Gospel writers, who Jesus is. And a few weeks ago, we saw that Jesus is the Word of God, or the Logos of God, the defining and creative and organizing principle of the whole world, that the, the word that spoke the world into existence, that word became flesh, John tells us in his gospel. A couple weeks ago, we also heard that Jesus is the life, the zoe life, the eternal life. We talked about two different Greek words for, for life. One is zoe, which has to do with a, a quality of life, an eternal kind of life as opposed to the word bios, which just means kind of the stuff of this world. And that we learn that Jesus is the life. He is the one that brings Zoe into the world. And today we are going to consider the good news that Jesus is the light or the phos. That's the Greek word for light is phos. The early Christians liked to sing. They liked to sing. In the book of Acts, we read about Paul and Silas. While they're in prison, they're singing hymns to God. There's a couple of times in Paul's letters where he quotes a hymn that Christians used to sing in the first century about who Jesus was. We know that the early Christians liked to sing. The earliest hymn that we know about that was not recorded in the Bible is a hymn called the Phos Hilaron, Phos Hilaron, which means joyous or hilarious light. Phos Hilaron. There's evidence that this song was sung at least as early as the third century of the church. It was in those years when the church was often persecuted and would often gather in the darkness of the catacombs. And this is one of the songs that they would sing. Joyous light, Phos Hilaron, joyous light of glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ, we have come to the setting of the sun, and we look to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. Phos hilaron, joyous light. Hilaron is the word where we get the word hilarious, joyous light. This is one of the things that the early Christians sung about when they gathered together, huddled underground in the darkness of the catacombs during the earliest days of the Christian church. In the dark cities of the Christian empire where there were idols all around, where there was an oppressive government that opposed them, the earliest Christians gathered together and they sang about Jesus, who they believed was the joyous, hilarious light. Darkness conceals, the light reveals. The darkness in our world is real. The darkness in our world is real. The world and the flesh and the devil all work together to conceal knowledge and understanding. And the earliest Christians experienced that heavy and oppressive darkness in their own way, in their own unique time and place. But they gathered to sing and declare 
that the light has come. Or as John says, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. As followers of Jesus today, we experience darkness in our own way that's unique to our time and our place. The world, the flesh, and the devil continue to work together to conceal, to keep the knowledge of God that leads to life away from us, to keep us blind to that. And what we need to hear and remember today is that the light still shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, and it will not overcome it. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about how Jesus the light has come into the world and that Jesus the light reveals. And we could talk about a lot of different things that Jesus reveals, but there's two that I want to focus on today. That Jesus the light reveals the knowledge of God and also the knowledge of ourselves. When Jesus the light comes, he reveals to us the knowledge of God and the knowledge of of ourselves. Jesus the light came to reveal the knowledge of God. Remember that Jesus the Son is the divine logos, the word that was with God in the beginning, the word that spoke the world into existence. John says that that word took on human flesh and made his home with us. And I just want to reemphasize this morning what a strange idea that is. It's hilarious that the word that was there in the beginning, the power, the creative force that spoke everything into existence and that holds all things together, that that word became flesh, took on our flesh and bones and made his home with us. A couple of days ago, I was listening to a podcast where uh, Jordan Peterson, he's a Canadian psychologist, he was, he was interviewing a Muslim philo- philosopher named Muhammad Hajib. And Jordan Peterson was interviewing him just to simply to try to understand what some of the essence of Islam was. And it was, it was a fascinating conversation. Um, this uh, Muslim philosopher, I, I've spoken a lot about how when we are in dialogue with people that we disagree with, that it's very important for us, if we're going to actually have a dialogue, for us to be able to correctly express what the person we disagree with actually believes, to not mischaracterize it or caricature it or make it to, out to be worse than what it is, but to actually articulate clearly what your opponent believes to be able to say that in words that they would agree with. And as I was listening to this Muslim philosopher, it was very clear that he had done that work for me, that he had done the work of truly understanding what Christians believe. And he articulated that in a way that was fair and honest and true. And then he said, and this is why Christianity is wrong. This is why it cannot be true that God would somehow become a human person. That was the barrier for him. That the eternal and immutable and unchangeable and holy and one God became a person. It's a really strange idea. If you are a follower of Jesus, you believe some really strange things. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. 
the divine word took on human flesh and made his home with us in order to reveal to us the knowledge of God, in order for us to come to know God. That is strange. And it's a claim that John makes in John 1 without flinching, as strange as it would have been. And it's the claim that if you are a follower of Jesus, it's the claim that you put your whole life on. Recently, I was speaking with with someone who um, is wrestling with some of their own doubts about the faith, and they 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 know that I've been honest with about that here from the pulpit in my own life about my own struggles with doubt. And so they asked, you know, what are some of the things that you hold on to when you're going through seasons of doubt? And I thought for a second, and I said, because this is the most beautiful story that there is. That God, the creator, loved us so much that he emptied himself and entered into the womb of Mary and was born. It likely wasn't a very silent night that night. He was born. and We know the the messiness of human delivery. He was born into that. And that this one Jesus grew up like me and you. And he experienced pain like me and you. And he experienced hurt like me and you. And he grew up and he went to the cross and he died for me and you. That God did all of that so that we could know him. He came into the darkness that conceals our knowledge of God in order to reveal the knowledge of God to us. And that is why it is the most beautiful and good story that can be told. That God would become one of us so that we could come to know him and to be in relationship with him. In Jesus, the knowledge of God is revealed, not simply knowledge about God, not simply knowledge about his character, not simply knowledge about certain attributes about him. Knowledge of God is possible because the son took on our human flesh and came to live with us. And because of that, a real relationship, real communion, friendship with God is available. Darkness conceals, but light reveals. The light shines in the darkness to reveal to us the knowledge of God. Makes a way for us to be in real relationship with God. Secondly, the light shines in the darkness to reveal to us the knowledge of ourselves. The knowledge of ourselves. Did you know that being a human being is a good thing? Did you know that? Usually when we talk about being human, we talk about it as one of our weaknesses. If you were to overhear somebody say, well, I'm only human, you would assume they're making some excuse for some weakness or failure, right? That's how we use that phrase. I'm only human. And for sure, Part of our experience of being human after the fall is marred by sin, and because of that, weakness and frailty and the temptation to do harm and all of those things that are really bad about us are a part of our life now. But in the scriptures, what is true before that, before the fall, before we introduced darkness into the world, 
Before that, the scriptures tell us that we were made in the image of God. That being a human being is a good thing. In fact, it is very good. Human beings are the greatest glory of God's creation. All creation reveals and points to God, and this is especially so with human beings who are made in his image. So Genesis 1 and 2, the first two pages of the Bible, tell us that being a human being is a good thing. John 1, the passage we are looking at right now, also tells us that being a human being is a good thing because God was willing to become one. The Son of God took on human flesh, so it can't be a bad thing to be a human being. God chose to become one. Being a human is a good thing because we were made in his image and because the Son of God took on our flesh. Jesus, the light, came into the world to reveal to us what it means to be a human being. He showed us how to live life as a human being. He showed us how to be ourselves, to be the people that God intended each one of us to be. But we fall short of that, right? We fall short of the glory of God that was shown perfectly in the human life of Jesus. We fall short of that. When we see the life that Jesus lived, we know how far we fall short of his perfect life. And so one of the works of revealing that the light of Jesus does for us is to reveal our shortcomings and our failure, shortcomings and our failures. His perfect life reveals how far we have fallen short. But his light does something else as well. His light comes in the world to reveal that to us about the reality of our sin and our shortcomings and our failures. His light reveals that, and it also heals. His light does a double work. It reveals and it heals. Turn with me to the book of 1 John. John, who Jeff and I were talking about this earlier, um, John, who I think wrote the Gospel of John, um, also wrote a few letters at the end of the Bible. At the end of the Bible are the letters of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And I want to read a few verses from John's first letter. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. John writes this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. God is phos. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Jesus' life reveals to us how far we fall short of who we were meant to be, who God created us to be. 
in one of the important ways of walking in the light that John describes here in his letter is by responding to that falling short by admitting it, by confessing it that we've fallen short. One of the ways that we can respond to falling short is to live a life of hiding, to live in the darkness because we're ashamed of how far we have fallen from the glory that we were made for. There's this thing that we experience, this emotion that we experience called shame. Shame is what caused Adam and Eve to sew up fig leaves to try to hide their nakedness from one another and from God. And shame is a very powerful emotion. It's an experience that we feel deep inside of us that makes us feel worthless, makes us feel that we don't have any value, and that makes us want to hide, to live in darkness. And so John, in this beautiful way at the beginning of this letter, tells us that we do not need to live in darkness, that we do not need to live in shame. We are invited to come and to walk in the light. And what that means, according to John, is that you don't have to hide yourself from God. You can let his light shine into all of those dark places that you are ashamed of, all of those places that you want to hide and pretend aren't real. You can come out and walk in the light. And when we do, that light does this double work of both revealing how far we've fallen short and also healing us making us more like the person that God has made us to be. When the light shines, it reveals what's already there. When you walk into a dark room, you can't see any of the furniture in the room, so you what? You turn on the light. And that light doesn't create the furniture. It's already there in the room. When you turn the light on in a dark room, it reveals those things that are already there. When we allow the light of Jesus' life to reveal our hearts, it opens up and we see how messy that room really is. But it's not making a new thing. It's just revealing what's already there. And so one aspect of walking in the lights is allowing God to turn on the lights in our heart to expose the true things about ourselves that we would rather not admit and to allow his healing work to come and to bring life to us. Jesus, the light, came to reveal the knowledge of ourselves to us. In the light of his perfect life, we come face to face with the painful reality of how far we've fallen short His life is perfect, ours is not. The light of his life reveals that to us. In his life and in his death and in his resurrection, he shows to us that healing is also possible. That forgiveness and healing of that sin, of our falling short, is possible through him. The light shines in the darkness. A friend of mine pointed out to me that this phrase, the light shines in the darkness, is only one of two times in the whole Gospel of John where John speaks in the present tense. The Gospel of John is a book written about Jesus who John lived with and touched in the past. He writes it after all of those things happened. And so, of course, he writes the Gospel in the past tense. These are things that I saw Jesus do back in the day when I was hanging out with him and walking around Galilee where he did all of his miracles and his teaching. But here, in John chapter 1, verse 5, 
John speaks in the present tense. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Not that the light did shine. Not that the light used to shine in the darkness, but that the light is shining in the darkness. Not was shining, is shining. The light shines in the darkness right now. Do you hear that? Do you know that? Right now, in the present tense, in Advent and Christmas of 2021, you and I can receive the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves in the face of Christ. The world, the flesh, and the devil conspire to conceal that knowledge from us. But Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, does not, and will not overcome it. So the invitation for you and me today, the invitation for you this next week as you celebrate Christmas, is to walk in the light of Jesus that reveals to us the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves, and to receive that light right now in the present tense. I would like for us today, if you would stand with me, and to close our sermon, I would like for us to pray together this ancient prayer that is at least 1,750 years old. To read this together, these are words that our brothers and sisters in Christ prayed thousands of years ago. And may we join together with them in praying them together today. Joyous light of glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ. We have come to the setting of the sun, and we look to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. Amen. Lord, may we receive this good news today. That what the darkness in our own hearts and the darkness in our world seeks to conceal, that you would reveal to us in a fresh and new way. That you are good, that you know us, that you love us, and that through Jesus that we can come to know and love you. Amen.